All right, thank you, Ken. Good morning, everyone. It's good to see you all. You know what's really interesting about this Sunday? I was thinking about it. The Sunday before Thanksgiving is probably my favorite Sunday to preach on. And there's a lot of reasons for that, but it's really interesting because normally I think everyone's in a really good mood, and maybe we are this morning, but like everyone's like really quiet at the same time. Um, so maybe, I don't know, maybe the change in weather has us uh, like a little bit more quiet than usual, but I, I really love this time of year, and I think that's why this Sunday is one of my favorite Sundays to preach. And I think usually, as I said, I think a lot of us are in a good mood, but I think a lot of us are looking forward to the Thanksgiving week that we're about to have. And I think that's why, at least on this particular Sunday, a lot of times we might be in a better mood than usual. Um, how many of you are looking forward to this week? Okay, uh, some hands slowly went up. All right, what are, what are we looking forward to? Sometimes I ask like rhetorical questions, but I'm really asking you, like just go ahead and shout it out. What are you looking forward to this week? Food, what else? Time off, okay. Amber said that last year. She didn't say it yet this time. I remember, yeah, in last year's Thanksgiving message. Um, I think for this Sunday, the Bible has a lot to say to us about the idea of Thanksgiving or being thankful. And so as we start this Thanksgiving week, I wanted to uh, just be able to talk a little bit about what the Bible has to say um, about Thanksgiving. Um, I have a picture that, uh, the PowerPoint's not loaded, it's okay, it's, don't worry about it, we'll get it up there later, but um, it's, it'll show up at the end. Um, back in August, after our youth retreat, our worship team went out to celebrate, and we went out to a restaurant called Seapot, which, um, if you've been there, um, I'm about to do like two minutes of free ads for Seapot Sunnyvale, but... Um, it's like, you know, I, I prefer to eat hot pot at home. I feel like you can, um, you could buy better ingredients and it, it make it more enjoyable um, for a cheaper cost because a lot of places are quite expensive. But Seapot, the prices are, are really good. And so I don't know if you've ever been there. It's a chain. There's a couple of restaurants. But they have like, if you've ever been to like one of those, you know, sushi, sushi belt, like revolving, like conveyor belt type things, pretty much all of the non-meat options, so all the seafood, all the vegetables, they're just going around on this giant conveyor belt belts. You could just take off whatever you want, but then they have to bring the meat directly to your table. So there were about five or six of us uh, that were eating lunch together in celebration of like, you know, a lot of time and energy that went into planning for our youth retreat. And when the meat came out, my friend Evan, Evan's one of the counselors at our sister church, CCIC Tri-Valley. Um, he's a senior in college and so um, he goes to the gym a lot, so he eats a lot, so he's always hungry. And he saw the meat come to our table. And he saw it hit the, like, he saw it hit the table, and it's all there in front of us to, you know, put into our soup. And this is what he said. He said, wow, God is really good. <laughs> like, that was his response when he saw the food come out. Like, we might have a lot of responses when we see good food put in front of us. We might take a picture, we might post about it on Yelp, we might post it on Instagram or whatever it might be. But in that moment, like it was really amazing to me that he connected it to some kind of good gift that God was giving us. And in that moment, I was like, I think we were all thankful to be there because the food's really good and the fellowship was good. But I was like, no, my guy Evan 
is really glad to be here right now, and he's very thankful for the food that he's about to eat. Like, it was that kind of attitude. And I think there's a lot of great power in being thankful. And so there's a lot, though there's a lot that I look forward to during this time of year, I don't know if it's just um, because, of the, because of the weather, um, like I really love fall weather, or because there's going to be time with friends and family and a lot of good food being eaten. I think the deeper meaning behind what it really means to be thankful is really important for us. I wanted to see, uh, I wanted us to take a look at what the Bible has to say when it comes to the idea of thanksgiving or being thankful. Um, there are, there's not enough time to go through all the different places in the Bible where it talks about the importance of thanksgiving. So we're just going to look at three simple ways to think about this that I think are all connected. So this morning we're going to see three things. We're going to see that thanksgiving, it reminds us of what's most important. Um, we, that's something that we probably uh, often hear said, um, but I think when we really think about what is truly most important, what is the like the most important thing for us to be thankful for, knowing our salvation and that God loves us. We're going to get into that in, in, in a little bit. Second thing, uh, Thanksgiving helps us to be thankful for the people in our lives. And I think within the body of Christ, within a church community, that's a really important truth that we want to see as well. And finally, we're going to see how Thanksgiving leads us to worship together in unity. It can be really life-changing for us when, we are all, uh, when we're all experiencing this posture of being thankful. So those are the three things. So first, what does it mean that Thanksgiving reminds us of what is most important? We all have guiding principles in our lives. Uh, maybe it's that one thing or multiple things that kind of truly keep us happy, right? Um, if you know me, I'm a bit of a control freak. I don't like surprises. I like being in control of my schedule. If like um, one thing that really kind of uh, makes me happy is if there's like no surprises. I have my schedule planned out and it's just like, okay, like I feel like I'm kind of in control of, of what's going to happen. And that one thing is like, you know, I kind of use it as a, a guiding principle for my own happiness. Um, but really when we ask ourselves the question, what is truly most important? And how does Thanksgiving play a role in that? Really, the thing that we, uh, if we're a church and we believe in God and we want to make disciples of Jesus Christ, the most important thing to us is our salvation. And if you've grown up going to church, that might sound like a simple and basic idea, but a lot of times it's really easy for us to lose track of that. And as we start this Thanksgiving week, I think that's a good place for us to start. Um, I want to look at a passage in Colossians um, it might be, um, might be relatively well known to us. I want to focus on chapter 3, verse 15. Um, but just so we get some good context here, let's read uh, the first couple verses that, um, that lead into that. So if you've got your Bibles, you could turn to Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12. It'll also be up here on the screen for us. And so the Apostle Paul in Colossians 3, he writes this. He says, Put on then... As God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And this verse we're going to focus on for a little bit. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Um, 
Before the pandemic, uh, we went through, we studied the book of Colossians on Sundays. We went through the entire book, so this might sound a little familiar, but maybe anything before the pandemic doesn't sound familiar to us. So if it's been a couple years um, since we've gone over this passage on a Sunday. Um, but this verse, verse 15, where it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Those are words that I think are comforting to us when there's a lot around us that might cause us to not always feel at peace. But it's really amazing that this verse ends with the simple phrase, and be thankful. Um, in writing the book of Colossians, Paul, the author, his purpose is to remind people in the Colossian church that Jesus is the most important. There were a couple of false teachings that were going around, um, and so he's writing to combat the heresies of mysticism, where people kind of felt like, um, if I have a spiritual experience of God, then maybe that's more important than what the scriptures have to say. Or people would also uh, be pushing legalism at this time, where they would say, in order to be a Christian, you have to do X, Y, and Z, fill in the blank. And so there were these false teachings that were going around that the Apostle Paul wanted to uh, kind of speak against. And so in the midst of all that, as he's talking about who God is, who Jesus is, and that we're saved by grace alone, then in, the, in a section where he wants to encourage the brothers and sisters to live out their faith, um, you know, to forgive one another, to bear with one another in love, as we read, then he also says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And then he writes just those simp this simple phrase, and be thankful. And that's always stood out to me in reading this passage, because I'm thinking, like, isn't it more about the previous stuff, like the, you know, bearing with one another and letting the peace of Christ rule in our hearts? Why would he write a three-word sentence at the end of it? It seems like, you, you, you know, we could say we should be thankful about anything, so saying the words and be thankful could be a nice addition to anything. But if you've read the Apostle Paul at all, you know he never writes things just as an add-on, Right? Um, Douglas Moo, who is a well-known New Testament scholar, he's written a lot, of, uh, a lot of commentary on some of Paul's letters. He's one of the leading experts on the Apostle Paul. He talks about this phrase, and he says this in one of his commentaries. He says, the short phrase, be thankful, at the end of verse 15, is on the one hand unexpected, but on the other, not unexpected at all. It is unexpected in that it seems to break the flow of a passage focused on the relationships of believers to one another, but thanksgiving has also been given an unexpected prominence earlier in the letter. And so what he's saying here is when it says, and be thankful, it's not just a simple three-word addition that has no meaning, but there's actually a deeper meaning that he's already brought up in the book of Colossians before. Um, with the Apostle Paul, who's a deep thinker, very systematic in how he writes things, nothing's ever by accident, right? When I talk, things like get, can, things can be scatterbrained by accident because that's just how I am. It's a little bit like the, the book of James. That's why I vibe with James well, and when we preached through it, I was like really happy because I was like, here's someone who's as scatterbrained as I am, even though hopefully everything that's coming out is good. But the Apostle Paul, I have been through to retreats with some of you adults where we have read and agonized over four chapters of the book of Romans for an entire weekend to try to see what the Apostle Paul is saying. Only four chapters, let alone the fact that the book is 16 chapters. And we're going word by word and phrase by phrase to see how much depth and richness there is. And so when Paul writes, and be thankful here, it's not just a nice phrase that sounds very general, but he's got great reason for doing it. And when we interpret the Bible, a, a, good, a good principle for Bible interpretation is this. If there's a key word or a key phrase, we want to pay attention to the first time it shows up 
in that book, in that letter, because that shows us how the author is using it. And so this is not the first time that Paul has talked about the importance of being thankful. That takes us back to chapter 1, and here's the first part where we see the idea of giving thanks in chapter 1, verse 12. But for the context, let's start in verse 9. So as Paul is uh, beginning this um, argument of who Jesus is and how being saved by grace is important for all of the different um, heresies and false teachings that are going on, this, going on at this time, he says this, starting chapter 1, verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. Now, that's a giant amount of verbiage in just four short verses, and so you get to see how thoughtful the Apostle Paul is in writing this book. And so in verse 12, when he talks about giving thanks to who? To the Father, referring to God. What is Paul saying we ought to be thankful for? And he says, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And if we don't have time to read the whole chapter, but if you go back just prior to this section, Paul talks about, at the very beginning of his letter to the Colossians, he talks about our hope being in heaven. And he's saying we want to be thankful for this inheritance that we have of the saints in light. And what he is saying is that the most important thing that we can give thanks for is that we have this glorious inheritance, this hope in heaven, that comes from our salvation. And so in in chapter 3, verse 15, when Paul says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts and be thankful, he is saying that we can have peace in our hearts because we have confidence in the most important thing that matters. And that is that if if we have a relationship with the living God, we know that our hope is in heaven and that we have this glorious inheritance that we're looking forward to. That is the most important thing. And when he says, let the peace of Christ be in your life, what he's saying here is that what truly brings us peace is knowing that the most important thing, knowing God, knowing that we are saved, means that we can be at peace with everything else. And that is really good news for us. So when we really think about what it means to be thankful, then I want to suggest this. If we are not at peace this morning, which might be many of us going into a stressful holiday season, I don't know, usually Thanksgiving, everyone seems to be in a good mood. But if we are not at peace this morning, I want to suggest possibly two reasons why that might be. It could be that we are more anxious than usual because of all the different details that are going on in our lives. That could be one thing. And at that point, we might want to remember what is most important as the Apostle Paul describes it. It's really knowing God and knowing that he saved us, that he loved us, that we can have this relationship with him. And so maybe we're more anxious because our eyes are fixed on our schedules or the things of this world. That might be one reason why we might not be experiencing this peace that the Apostle Paul is talking about here. Or maybe secondly, our relationship with God is unsettled in some way. Maybe there are some of us in this room who don't know what it means to have a relationship with God. 
You've never met him before or put your faith in him before. And if that's you, I want you to know that we are so glad that you are here and there are believers here that you can talk to who can share their faith with you, who can introduce you to this living God, the one who brings this peace. And so that could be one reason why our relationship with God is unsettled. Or perhaps there's something in our lives that's getting in the way of our relationship with God, where we need to confess our sin that might be separating us from God, or if there's a difficult relationship that we know we need to reconcile with someone else, the Bible talks so much about the importance of that, because then that just consumes our minds, right? And it distracts from what is most important, knowing that we have this glorious inheritance, knowing that we have this wonderful salvation. And so this Thanksgiving season, can we remember what's mo- what, we, what we have the most reason to be thankful for? that there's a God who loves us, who sent his son into this world so that we could experience what true forgiveness is about, what grace is really about. And that if we know that, that our inheritance is in heaven, that we will be with God in heaven someday, then hopefully all of the other things in our lives that cause us not to be at peace, we could say, if the most important thing, my relationship with God is good, I can trust him to bring peace in all the other areas of my life. And we can experience that when we start off just thinking about the idea of thanksgiving by truly considering what is most important. And what is most important is the fact that God loves us and wants to have a relationship with us. And if we're not thankful for that in this Thanksgiving week, I think it's going to be very easy for us to be anxious or let down by expectations or whatever it might be. So now when we are thankful for the most important thing, our salvation, our relationship with God, I think it causes us to be thankful for things that are also extremely important in our lives. And Paul says as much in our second point. And so the second thing that we want to talk about when it comes to the idea of being thankful, um, Thanksgiving is a time where it reminds us of the people in our lives that we can be thankful for. See, a few years after Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians that we just read from, Paul finds himself in prison and writing a letter to the Philippian church. And I want to read a few quick verses from Philippians chapter 1 as he starts this letter to the Philippians. And so as Paul is in prison and writing this letter, he's doing this because he wants to show the Philippian church that though his earthly circumstances are not good, as he has been thrown in prison during this time, um, for speaking out for the purpose of his faith and going up against uh, the government of this time, Um, Even though his earthly situation is not necessarily good, he's writing to show the joy of serving God, no matter the circumstances. So if you've got your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in Philippians 1 next, um, or you can look up here on the screen, and I want us to take a look at verses 3 through 6. And Paul says this, I thank my God in all my remembrance of you. Always in every prayer of mine, for you all making my prayer with joy, because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. So Paul is writing this letter from prison, but in the first three, in verse three, the very start of his letter, He is giving thanks for the people that he has relationship with, namely the Philippian church. Why? Because they have the most important thing in common. And that's what he says is the partnership of the gospel. 
Um, and in verse 6, it ends with Paul saying he's sure of something, that the good work that is in their lives will be completed at some point. Um, I could tell you this. If I were in Paul's shoes, and if I were in prison, I guarantee you the first thing that I would say would not be, I thank God for, and then these people. Like, hopefully I would, because that's a really amazing thing that Paul's saying. It's a really amazing attitude that he has. But a lot of times, if we find ourselves in much less serious situations than being in prison, it is hard for us to remember what is most important and also what to be thankful for. And so many of us don't need to be in, in prison to struggle from some form of crippling anxiety in our own ways. But because Paul is assured of his salvation and he knows what's most important, then while he's in prison, it causes him to be thankful for other people who share the same faith as him, even as he writes this letter under these circumstances. And when I was thinking about what it must have been like for Paul at this time to write this letter and to think about, you know, yes, he's not free at that moment. He's not sure when he will get out of prison. There's probably a lot, at least in his earthly world, that he's dealing with. But his assurance of salvation is really admirable. And what it made me think of is, in the hardest times that I've gone through in my life, I realize the thing that's been, that has kept me going is being thankful for the people that God has given me in my life. In the hardest times I've experienced, I've been the most thankful for people, particularly in the body of Christ. If you've been going to our church for a while, you know we've gone through a lot of our own tragedies over the last couple of years. We've lost people who are close to us. And when I have been in my lowest of moments, when I think, what is there to look forward to? What hope do I have? The thing that has kept me going is being thankful for the presence of my brothers and sisters in Christ that I have here, who can encourage me, who can show me love in the, in the lowest of my moments. And in a lot of the tragedies we've experienced, I've thought a lot about and read a lot of the, the book of Job in the Old Testament. We're not going to go into that because it's, um, it's, a, it's a very complex and challenging book to study. But if you know the story of Job, basically Job loses everything. His success, his wealth, his family, his health. And I realize in my lowest or most discouraged of moments, I've been forced to realize that I haven't lost everything. And a lot of that is knowing that there are good people that God has placed in my life to be thankful for. I don't know if this has ever happened to you. Maybe in a moment where you've been the most depressed or really struggling with something, has anyone, and you may hate it in the moment, has anyone ever, like, as a strategy to try to get to change your mindset, has anyone told you, hey, you know what? I know things are going really terribly, but let's make a list of all the things that you're thankful for right now. And a lot of times, if you hear that and you're like me, you'd probably be thinking, like, that's not what I want to focus on right now. But in hindsight, when I look back at the power of being thankful for what I do have, I realize it shows me that though we suffer, we all suffer great loss in various ways in our world, it's part of human life, that God doesn't take everything from us and there's much that we have to be thankful for, especially the relationships that we have with one another. And please understand, when I say this, by no means am I trying to diminish the struggles that we go through. A lot of us have been through very difficult things. But from my own perspective, when I think of my lowest of moments, when I stop and I think about being able to go get boba with a friend and share like struggles with them, 
or just having someone come and pray for me. I may not realize that that's exactly what I need in that moment, but later on, having the blessing of hindsight, I can realize the only thing that keeps me going through a lot of the challenging things that life has to offer is the power of the relationships that we have. And what do we have in common? The most important thing, our salvation, the fact that we share the same Heavenly Father. And I've been so blessed by the body of Christ in a number of different ways in a lot of the challenging circumstances that I've gone through or that our church has gone through. And it causes me to be incredibly thankful for the power of the body of Christ. And I think that's the same thanksgiving that the Apostle Paul experiences as he writes this letter from prison to the Philippian brothers and sisters. And he ends that section that we read in verse 6 by being able to encourage others that the good work of the gospel will be completed. And so talk about someone who really understands what's most important. Paul's not worried about his own well-being, when he will get out of prison, how much longer he might live or not live, but he wants to write this letter to the Philippian brothers and sisters to say, hey, be encouraged that because of your faith in God, because of your belief in the gospel, God's good work will be completed. We don't know how or when or what that will look like, but that's an encouragement that he wants to give them. Instead of worrying about himself in prison, he writes to encourage others. And if that's not the attitude of a thankful heart, like I, I, don't, I don't know what is. And so uh, a point of application for us to learn from what, uh, what Paul is modeling here in the book of Philippians is this. Um, at some point this week, I want to ask you, or I want to challenge you, can you take a brief moment, or maybe more than a brief moment, um, to thank God for the people that you have in your life who mean the most to you? Because it puts in perspective what is really, truly most important. And if you're feeling really brave, and I would say, like, I would strongly encourage you to do this, during a week where we celebrate what Thanksgiving is, if there's someone that you're really thankful for for a variety of reasons, go and tell them. Because what could be better in terms of building our relationships with one another when knowing that we've been able to be thankful for one another in these kinds of ways? And so for Paul, being thankful for his partnership with the Philippian brothers and sisters, it's what he chooses to fix his eyes on, even as he is in prison uh, and, and not sure about his own earthly circumstances. So now what happens when we are thankful for the brothers and sisters in Christ that God has given us? And when we remember what is most important in our lives to be thankful for, our salvation? And that leads us to our final point for this morning. Um, and that is this, that thanksgiving leads us to worship together in unity. And so how do we experience the power of being thankful together? I want to take a look at a couple verses from the book of Psalms, chapter 100. That talks about um, uh, that talks about the uh, it talks about this idea of being thankful or um, having an attitude of thanksgiving, but from an Old Testament point of view. Um, in Psalm 100, verse four and five, if you know anything about the Psalms, it's a collection of writings from different authors that are often used as hymns, uh, as songs for people to sing. Um, and the words we're gonna read are actually no exception. Um, I preached on this passage during a combined service last Thanksgiving, and uh, Elder Peter, one of our elders who was leading worship that day, he chose a song that's based off of the words we're about to read. Um, and I'll talk about that in a moment. But if you've got your Bibles, let's go to the book of Psalms, Psalm 100. And let's see what the psalmist has to say 
um, about this idea of thanksgiving, starting in verse 4. It's a short psalm, but we're just going to read two verses, verses 4 and 5. And the psalmist says this, Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, bless his name, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Now, what is this passage saying? It starts off with the word enter. And so if you know, like, if you understand, like, kind of parts of speech in English, some of you in school are like, Dan, I don't have school this week. I don't want to deal with this. Or, like, we have a minimum week. But the word enter is a verb, right? It means we have to do something. It means you have to go somewhere. It means you have to make a choice to go into something. That's what happens when you enter into a store or enter into a church building or into a home. And so he has this uh, encouragement to enter his, referring to God, enter his gates. Now, what gates is he talking about? Um, when, commenta- when Old Testament commentators have thought about uh, Israel, God's people, their circumstances in the Old Testament, they come up with three options for what these gates could be talking about. Um, it's possible that it's talking about the door to the tabernacle, which was the place of worship in the Old Testament, right? And so that's where a lot of the sacrifices to keep people in right relationship with God were being made by the high priest. So that's one option. The second one is the city of Jerusalem, which eventually became the capital of God's people. And it would be a place where the temple was located, where people would go and travel to, to go and worship God. And then finally, the third possibility that commentators have come up with is the temple itself, a place of worship, right? Now in all three, and no one's really, uh, no one's really come to the exact conclusion of what the psalmist is uh, referring to exactly in, the, in, in Psalm 100, verse 4. But the fact of entering his gates, all three of those possibilities, the tabernacle, the city of Jerusalem, or the temple, they're all having to do with the idea of worship, where people would be going to that location for the same purpose, for the, for the idea of wanting to worship God. And so um, in doing so, there's an attitude that the psalmist calls on the people to consider, and that's to enter his gates, go into this worship setting with thanksgiving, with thankful hearts, right? And so I think one of the, um, this has gotten challenging at times during the pandemic, but one of the things I always look forward to on Sunday mornings here at our church is just being able to sing together and hearing other voices lifted in the same direction together. Because that's where we might hear the other voices around us. And in a way, in a, in a world where a lot of times we're tempted to think, I'm the only one who believes X, Y, or Z, or I'm the only one who's experiencing something, when all of our voices are lifted up for the same purpose, I think there's something so powerful about that, that we are in agreement that, as we just sang, that God's grace really is so amazing, and that's something worth celebrating. And so for God's people, when they would go to the, when they would go to the city of Jerusalem or when they would go to the temple in, in expectancy of worshiping, the psalmist is saying he's calling on them to have this thankful attitude, this thankful heart as they go and worship. Um, only people, I think, my age and older, which is not very many in this room, will really know the, the song that well. But the hymn that we sang in our combined service last year that's based off of uh, this song, it's a really upbeat and happy song. And I think it's that way for a reason, right? But for, um, I don't know, maybe some of you will surprise me, but do you, know the, do you know the melody of the song? I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. I will enter his courts with praise. 
It's like upbeat, like more so than a lot of hymns that we sing. And it's got this joyful and triumphant feel to it, right? And when Elder Peter led us in that song, I mean, I thought, well, it's so perfect with the passage that we were looking at last year. I thought, man, what a powerful idea of why we sing together, why we worship God together, because this points us in the right direction of the hope that we have. The thing that's most important that we saw in our first point, our salvation, the hope of knowing God, and the fact that we get to do it together. And so... I love this psalm because when it says we want to enter into a worshipful place with a heart full of thanksgiving, that has not always been easy for us during the pandemic. It was not long ago that this room was just being used for recordings where we all had to just stay home uh, because we weren't sure what was going on in our world or what was safe during the course of the pandemic. And I would say this, and because I say this because I've seen it in my own life, the effects of the pandemic have caused me at times to self-isolate more than I should because it's just what we had to do for a period of time. But there is so much power in getting together and singing praises to God because it's a way where we are all saying we believe in the same thing, we know it's the most important, and we can encourage one another while doing it. And when we choose community over isolation, I think there is this hope that we get to experience. And that's what we see in the last verse of this section, verse 5, where the psalmist says, when we enter the gates of the worship uh, worship place of God and we have this thankful heart, what do we get to see? Verse 5 says, we get to see that the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. And it's a way where we get to experience that the Lord is good together, that he is faithful together. Church really got weird during the pandemic, I think, and in a lot of the isolating tendencies that we've talked about. That's why, if you remember, at the start of the year, we went through a multi-month series about how God puts the lonely in families or homes to talk about the hope that we have in our relationship with God and also the importance of our relationships that we have with one another in the body of Christ. And now that... um, Now that there's many more of us in this room than there were a couple years ago, and that we are feeling at least a little bit more freedom to worship together in person, there's some big questions that I think we have to ask ourselves as a church in terms of our future direction. For our English ministry, for our Chinese ministry, collectively as one whole church, we need to start stop worrying about the, you know, just the day-to-day, the challenges of pandemic ministry, and start to think, well, where is God leading us? But you know what? Like, the answers to those questions, which are not always easy, the answers don't matter that much if we're not collectively having this heart of thanksgiving and worship together. But when we remember what is the most important thing for us to be thankful for, our salvation, our eternal inheritance in heaven, and when we get to be thankful for the people that God has placed in our lives, then I really look forward to where God is leading us, though there are a lot of things we have to figure out in terms of the direction of our church. And so this week, as we celebrate Thanksgiving, I I hope we can see that the idea of being thankful really does change us in a positive direction. It helps us remember what's most important, our salvation. It helps us be thankful for the people that God has gifted us with to support us and care for us, especially in in our most challenging moments. And finally, it can lead us into the worship of God together, which is something that I think is really exciting. And so I want to challenge us this week. We'll put this up on the screen. But a couple things I want to challenge you to do during this Thanksgiving week when we think about this idea of being thankful. Can we spend some time individually 
making a list of things that we're thankful for. We might think I have this mental picture of wanting to be thankful, but I think there's also great value in pausing and writing down all the things that we might be thankful for. Because if it fosters this idea of being thankful in our lives for all the reasons we've seen in God's word, I think it, cha- I think it changes us in a good way and leads us into a worship, a deeper worship of God, not just on our own, but with other brothers and sisters as well. So let's make a list of things that we're thankful for. Secondly, if you have the opportunity to do this with close friends or within your family, can you spend some time with a group of other people sharing things that we are thankful for? If you're really brave and it's something you want to bring up to your parents and say, like, Mom, Dad, can we spend some time during this Thanksgiving, like, as a family, thinking about what we're thankful for? Like, I think that would be amazing. I'm guessing a lot of you are like, Dan, I'm not going to ask my parents to do that, and that's fine. Uh, I will totally uh, respect and understand whatever your family relationships might be like. But if you're in a place of, I would, would I say, influence in your family, where you get to kind of shape what Thanksgiving week is like, uh, doing some kind of activity to share what we're thankful for together as a group, I think is really powerful, powerful, powerful for all the reasons that we're saying. And finally, can we think about how the attitude or the posture of being thankful will lead us into a deeper worship of God in our own lives to see how he might be leading us? Um, let's put that picture up. Uh, this was supposed to be up at the beginning, but here's the picture of us at Hot Pot. Uh, I'm not in the picture because I'm taking the photo. We're missing a few people. Eric was at work. He was supposed to be there. Um, but this is a couple of our brothers and sisters from our sister churches that were all a part of the worship team. So Enoch's the one wearing the mask, right? Normally he's back here, but he's sick right now. And so next to Enoch is my friend Evan that I was telling you about, right? So when the food came out, he said, Wow, God is so good. And what I love about that response is because the fact that instead of saying like, oh, look at, the, look at all the amazing New Zealand lamb that, lamb that came out, that's probably what I would say. The fact that he said, God is so good, he's connecting an attitude or a heart of thanksgiving for a good gift, this all-you-can-eat, like really amazing quality of meat that's coming out. He's connecting all of that with an attitude of thankfulness to God. And one of the things that I love about Evan, if you were at our youth retreat, you got to hear him sing and lead a lot of the songs this year. But at their church, they don't have an English ministry the way we do. There's the Chinese congregation, there's the youth group, but for a lot of the college students, as soon as they hit college, there's nowhere for them to go because they don't have an English service. There's just not a lot of English adults. And so when they were talking about, because several of them are a part of the Tri-Valley Youth Group where they help out on Fridays, but they go to different churches on Sunday, they were asking Evan, like, do you want to come to church with us this Sunday? And he said, no, I'm, I'm going to go back to Tri-Valley, and I'm going to help teach Sunday school for the youth this weekend. And what that shows is this heart that says, like, God, you're so good, when plates of meat are hitting the table, it runs so much deeper than just a, a, like an attitude of just thankfulness in that moment. But it's something that is a, it's a whole life posture that's leading him to serve God as God's leading him in a way where a lot of people have had trouble doing so because of the, the circumstances in their church. And I share all this to say, when we have this heart of thanksgiving, it changes us. It leads us to do things that are good for the kingdom of God and good for our lives. 
And that's why I want to challenge us all to really deeply think about what we are thankful for this week and to see how our Heavenly Father has given us so many good gifts in our lives. And that when we are thankful for it, we, we allow ourselves to be changed by the power of God and to see where he might be leading us. And if, we are, if we're all of that mindset, then I, can't, I just really can't wait to hear what our lives are like and what the stories of our lives are like as we see how God might be leading us. The same way God was leading Evan to teach Sunday school. It's this posture of thanksgiving for the most important thing and for the other, the other things like the people that God has placed in our lives that come alongside it. And so let's be thankful this week. Let's be thankful for the most important thing, that our God truly loves us, and that we can have the same hope that the Apostle Paul talks about, the inheritance of salvation, and look forward to that. And in our thanksgiving in our lives, I really believe that God will be leading us and moving us to experience more of his kingdom day by day, moment by moment. Amen? All right, let's pray together. And before we pray... I want to give you a second just to pause, and if I'm uh, challenging us to remember to be thankful, I'm just in a couple moments of silence before I close this time in prayer. Can we silently just pause and make a list in our own heads of some things that we're thankful for? And as we do, can we thank God for the good gifts that he is giving us in our lives? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you that you are a God who loves us so much that you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to this earth so that we could be forgiven of our sins, so that we could know the true and living God. God, we also know that though there are a lot of challenges we experience, that there is much that we have to be thankful for. And so God, during this week where we take uh, just a, a, a thoughtful pause to spend time with family and friends and to eat a lot of good food, Lord, I pray that none of it would take place without us being thankful to you. And God, I pray that we would have open hearts to see how having an attitude of thanksgiving will be changing us and leading us to follow you more and more in our lives. So God, as we continue to sing together this morning, I pray that we would sing with thankful hearts. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.